Well, thank you very much for the rare kind message via text. Off to a rockin' start. John, it's great to listen to you this morning. Have a super day. And same to you and same to everybody listening. And same to Deb Hutton, who joins us, former senior advisor to two Ontario premiers on the morning brief today. Happy Friday. What a nice text to get first thing in the morning, John. I know. Well, I don't know if you look at the text board during your show in the afternoon, but uh, boy, some people, I just think life is not that hard. Why are you so angry? <laughs> so I actually don't. As you know, I love to take calls and it usually seems I am busy enough just trying to keep my head in the show and take our callers calls. So I don't. That's a, that's what the producer does for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so um, some Doug Ford staffers two of them have been put on a committee that selects Ontario judges. I'll be curious what you have to say about this because not that I approve of patronage, but it's the way it works. Well, that's my issue. So do I love that we have uh, political activism in appointing judges provincially and federally? I do not. I I don't know what the better system is, but I do know as a small C and big C conservative, we have activist judges in this country today that do not make me happy. And you hear that anytime I talk about uh, a sentencing topic, usually, which I'm sure we will this morning as well. So do I like it? No, I absolutely don't. But if we're going to continue down that path without changing the system, am I personally uh, upset that there are some small C and big C conservatives on those uh, appointment panels? No, of course I'm not. Because as I said, I feel like we have a growing group of activist judges. And by that, I mean judges who who are center at best, left at uh, most. And at least as a conservative, this will help me feel slightly better. You know, I don't know if you recall, John, last summer, the National Post did quite a study about our uh, federally appointed judges. And the study showed that 76% of current judges appointed by the federal government had given to the Liberal Party. So do I like it on both sides? Absolutely not. But man, I'm happy to see that there are at least a number of people on the committee that aren't on the left of the spectrum. Just one more point on this. So this is a committee that recommends to the Attorney General. This isn't making actual appointments. There are seven political appointees and there are six from the Judicial Committee. Do I think that's balanced? Well, Again, unless we're going to change the system, I'm okay with it. Well, and the other aspect in all of this is it's not like the states. I mean, the states, conservatives have an alternative system of justice, basically. They have this ridiculous thing that was invented 30 years ago called originalism, where it's like the apostles wrote the law back when the Constitution was written. So you have to think, what would Jefferson think? And we're just not like that here. And maybe some people may be a little bit more lenient in sentencing and come up with some pretty interesting charter rulings, but the the idea that judges are, you know, left or right is kind of silly. Well, you're right, it's, and I'm not in, in at all comparing it to the United States, but I actually do think that we have some, as I just finished saying, pretty left-leaning judges as a direct result of the appointments process federally. 
And as I said, I don't like it. Um, but if we're going to continue with that system, then at least let's get some balance into it. Speaking of judges' rulings, yesterday the judge threw the book at uh, the man who murdered four members of a Muslim family in London. And by assigning a life sentence for attempted murder in the boy who was nine at the time, uh, apparently makes it that much more complicated to get parole, which I don't think he was ever going to get anyway. I don't know. Right. This is my problem uh, and why I still I know it's an old, old, old term. I still believe in truth and sentencing. So this guy is eligible for parole at an age younger than you and I are, John. And he killed Except an entire you and I are going to be really old by the time that happens. <laughs> it's true. But I mean, he will be in his 40s. And I have a problem with that. If you're sentenced to life in prison, you're right. He may not get out. But I won't put, won't matter, as you say, but I won't put money on that fact. I really won't. And, and so do I think eligible for parole in 25 years, which in this country is what life in, um, in prison means? Do I think that is enough for this guy? Absolutely categorically not. Same file, basically. Robert Picton, a mass murderer, the uh, pig farmer, has become eligible for day parole. He hasn't applied for it, but he will get a hearing if he does apply for it. He won't get it. But still, these are the vagaries of the Canadian judicial system. Right. Like I say, ditto. Should Robert Picton ever see life outside those walls of the prison he's in? Absolutely not. And yet our system says he can. We all know the Paul Bernardo story. Right. He he could be walking among us. Thankfully, we have enough people with sanity making these decisions so far that he's not been allowed out. But I have some absolute concerns about the fact that we do not have truth in sentencing. City of Ottawa says, no, there's no double standard, but apparently the order went out, not from politicians, but in the policing circles last week on the second anniversary of the convoy protests that no tickets would be issued. And some people are pointing out, okay, wait a second, there was a trans uh, protest and they got tickets. There was a pro-Palestinian protest. They got tickets. But the convoy F. Trudeau crowd comes to town and you leave them alone. So I don't understand what's wrong with the Ottawa police, quite frankly. No. Yeah. Like, I don't. I mean, I think we, most of us can agree, if not all of us, that they are the root of the challenges we had in the original convoy protest. It was a failure of Ottawa police. And, you know, lots of other things happened after that. But that, in my view, they allowed a protest to become an occupation. And that is the start of the story that we're all familiar with. So it just seems to me ridiculous that they would show any leniency. Now, I know people who understand policing far better than I could ever will say those are operational decisions, et cetera. But if some sort of uh, mandate, for lack of a better term, went out around this protest, we still have a massive problem, and they clearly haven't learned anything in the Ottawa police force. Meanwhile, in the original Freedom Convoy, they're still trying to certify a class action suit, Deb, but uh, one of the protesters, one of the organizers, actually, is suing Ottawa himself because he got his bank account frozen. What do you think? 
<laughs> I hate class action lawsuits. I hate all of the legal processes where, where people like this Yahoo are able to do this. I mean, I guess that's the system we have. Uh, I sure hope he's not successful. And unfortunately, because of what I disagree with as a, a review and a decision around the use of the Emergencies Act, which led to the freezing of bank accounts, he may have a, a case. And, and I, I think it's just wrong. And tomorrow will be the first anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, I sent you a column this morning that I found really, really interesting where a guy argued, listen, it's easier to fight Russia now than wait for them to take over Ukraine and fight them later. I completely agree with this notion. So if if Russia were to be successful against Ukraine, if those of us in NATO, those of us in the West don't support Ukraine, then we are going to have Russia, Russian territory bumping up against our NATO allies. And when you when you look at who the allies of Russia are, you know, North Korea, Iran, is this not a war that we need to support Ukraine in? I say yes. And it's 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 cost in all ways, not just financial cost. It is the cost, in my view, of an erosion of our freedom if we do not stand up to the trifecta of, of North Korea and Iran and Russia. Thanks, Deb. Good to have you. Have a great weekend, John. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two premiers, and uh, Nick and Scott Reed is going to be in. A lot of people always expect Deb to be there, but she has days where she is not hosting the rush. And Scott Reed always arrives full of piss and vinegar, so that's going to be a lot of fun.